today's podcast, a couple stories of Bill Russell. James Jones talking about the NFL movement with receivers. He's got some intense picks for division winners. And we'll finish up with life advice. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Cintas. In sports, you're always thinking of the next play. It's the same with business. Cintas has the products, people, and solutions that help you keep a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are dedicated service reps who help ensure your team has what you need when you need it. They deliver freshly laundered workwear every week, provide restroom supplies, stock first aid, and safety products. Plus, they'll help test and inspect your fire protection equipment. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. I wanted to open today's podcast talking about Bill Russell. Uh, Bill Russell passed this weekend at 88 years old. I have a couple stories. Um, some, are, some are handed to me. Some are my own stories because I actually did interview him when I first, first got started in Boston. Uh, that was in 2003. So it was a morning show and he didn't do any interviews. He just didn't do any. And... You know, I was in awe of him through hearing about him through my father, reading history books, reading anything about it. You know, 11 titles, first player, head coach, um, first black head coach. You know, Red Arbacks, just like, hey, look, you know the deal. You're the guy, Russ. You know, you coach the team. Um, and the fact that I'm like, wait, what was his record in game sevens? He was like, oh, he's 10-0 in game sevens. There's this old piece, I think it's like 20 years old, that was written about like he goes through and ranks all of his game sevens and go in and look at those numbers and dig through that stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. So it was me and, and two other younger guys. We'd all kind of started at the same time at the station and they put us on this morning show basically because we were free. We were, we were making like, you know, no money. So somehow through the radio station, there was this connection to a memorabilia guy that was like, we're doing this big memorabilia show this entire weekend. And Bill Russell's actually going to, you know, do some of the stuff, which he never does. So to promote it, we can get you Bill Russell if you want. <laughs> like, well, if, if we want. So we're kind of prepping how we want to do the interview. And all three of us are nervous. All right. Again, we're all in our 20s. It's my first real kind of job after the minor league baseball thing. So it's my first talk show hosting gig. And I'm doing mornings and it's I'm I'm 20, 27 years old. And the program director's kind of like making sure going over it with us. Like, how do you want to do this? And, you know, all of us are just like, there's nothing. You, you could give us a ton of advice. You give us no advice. We're probably still going to be nervous and screw the whole thing up because it's Bill Russell. He doesn't do these things. He doesn't do these things. And we get him on and I'm not driving. I'm not the host. And the host is like, well, joining us, you know, Hall of Famer, 11-time champion. And then Bill Russell immediately interrupts the host and goes, uh, you know, I'm not going to do his voice, but like, uh, excuse me, uh, if, if you're going to introduce me, this is live on the air. If you're going to introduce me, I would appreciate uh, it be Bill Russell, captain of the Boston Celtics, instead of Hall of Famer and all that. And I was like, man, that is so cool. Like, that was so good. And he actually, like, he interrupted the introduction 
because he wanted, and again, we're the Celtics affiliate station. So, you know, everybody's excited about it and, and he makes this move and he was great. And then he comes on and, you know, we always would ask, uh, somebody like Russell from a previous generation, we just got to talk about it with Bob Ryan. And I'd asked, you know, how would you handle somebody like Shaq today? And then he laughs and he's got this incredible laugh and he's the ultimate competitor. And he did exactly what I expected him to do. He goes, it's not about how I would defend Shaq. He was like, how would he defend me? And I know that I was kind of like, all right, you know, he's, Bill Russell was 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 six ten. He's a pretty skinny guy. Like, give me a break. Like, he's gonna he's just gonna body up Shaq. And it's like, no, no, no. What he would have done is play the mental game, and he would have wore Shaq down. He would have run him all night long. Now, granted, he's gonna give us some points as opposed to Shaq here. I'm not gonna act like Bill Russell was gonna shut him down, but that he would have gone with a completely different approach and be like, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna be down the court ahead of you every single time and that's what i'm going to do and i would ask my father be like hey is that true And he'd be like yeah that's that's what he would have done um that's what he would have done and then we asked him at the end we were like what is it what is it that we missed and the way that russell loved his teammates the way he's referenced it in uh, two books that i've read about it how much he cared for his teammates and how much he cared for red especially considering the time that he was living and the stuff that he was going through in boston it's it's pretty intense stuff, and it's and it's a lot of fun to read. So that was in 2003. A few years later, I'm at ESPN, and I had kept sort of in touch with his handler maybe once a year, right? Hey, can we get Bill Russell back on again? And the guy's like, look, you're probably never getting him back on. So I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll still try. So I'm at ESPN now. I get to ESPN in 06. Maybe it's 06, 07. I call up his handler, and I go, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here now. Um, it was great that we were able to get Bob Russell on. I was wondering if there's any way that I could do it again, if I could do it. And he was like, um, probably never. I was like, okay, that seems rather certain. That never seems definitive. He goes, well, look, let me tell you a story. He goes, you remember the sports century stuff they did at the end of the nineties? And I was like, yeah, of course. I, I think I VHS a few of them. Is that what you would do? Tape record them, whatever, whatever the reference is. I was like, yeah, I love Sports Century. That's great. He's like, well, do you know what happened with Russell? I'm like, no, I don't. Like when they came out, I think I was subletting a room from somebody. Um, so I don't know. I wasn't super plugged into what was going on with ESPN production seven years before I showed up there. He goes, well, when it came out, like they were they were asking everybody if they could do the interview. So they called up Bill Russell. Now, again, this story is handed down to me from the Bill Russell side of it. So I'm allowing that there could be over time perhaps some – some facts that are a little bit off, but the general, the general story is, is still accurate. So they put together the top 50 American athletes of the 20th century. They actually did the top 100, but they did specials on um, everybody. Like Chris Everett was, was 50, you know, Mickey Mantle's 37, Secretariat was 35th, pissed everybody off. Um, Arnold Palmer's up there, whatever. So Bill Russell's like, okay, what number am I? And they're like, well, you know, Mr. Russell, you're right around here. I think it was like, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. And again, this is what was told to me. And Bill's like, well, who's ahead of me? <laughs> they were like, well, Michael Jordan. And he's like, okay, he has six rings. I have 11. And they were like, well, then they got, you know, Jim Brown, Wayne Gretzky, Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, Willie Mays. And I think he was like, well, Willie Mays, he's like, I have 11 rings. 
And then it went on and on and on. And then the one that really, I think, annoyed him was that it was Will Chamberlain. And so he was just like, I, I beat Will his entire career. Like, why, why would I be behind Will? And they were like, well, we'd love to come out and do some interviews and sit down with you. And he's like, no, no, you have everything you need. I've sat down plenty of times. You have everything. You don't need more. We don't need you to do another 30 minutes. You come to my house and interview me the whole thing. He's like, we're good. Now, again, this is Russell's guy telling me the story. So I go, so that's the reason why Bill Russell won't come on. Again, Bill Russell should have been saying no to me because I'm probably filling in on fucking game night at 1 a.m. All right. But back then, man, you just you shoot your shot. He goes, no, it's not because of that. He goes, when the list came out after he said no, they dropped him to 18th. <laughs> so whatever number Russell was told initially when the project was launched, Russell had a problem with who was ahead of him. And because of that, he was like, I'm not doing any more sit downs. You have all the information you need. I've already done a ton of interviews that apparently the producer at that time then dropped Bill Russell for being difficult. And then when that happened, Bill Russell was like, I'm never doing anything with them. I do think he did some stuff with KG years later, like over 10 years after that conversation. Um, and as somebody that is not afraid of holding a grudge, I always love that story about Bill Russell. This episode is brought to you by Cintas. In sports, you're always thinking of that next play. It's the same with business. Cintas has the products, people, and solutions that help keep you a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are the dedicated service reps who help make sure your team has what you need when you need it. They really got you covered. Cintas has workwear and apparel for almost any job imaginable. They have styles that are durable, comfortable, and great looking, and they'll deliver fresh uniforms back to your business every week. They'll deliver floor mats and restroom products and stock your essential cleaning supplies. They provide first aid supplies, safety training, and life-saving AED defibrillators. And then they'll even test and inspect your fire extinguishers, fire protection systems, and emergency exit lights. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. Talks of football today. James Jones, NFL Network, a bunch of years in the league as receiver, hanging out with us. Before we get to kind of some of the new things that we're getting ready for with camps opening up and everything, uh, the Deshaun Watson ruling it came out yesterday, six games. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, uh, shoot. I mean, we, was all, we all knew it was going to be something. You know, at the end of the day, I truly feel like, you know, one of well, both one side was going to be mad. You know what I mean? Whether it was the Sean Watson side, whether it was the the the, the people side, one side was going to be mad. I don't, I don't, I think the NFL was kind of out of lose lose in this situation because even if you come out and you say a year, I think you know, shoot, a lot of the women that deal with them situations, you know what I mean, and went through that situations, they're going to be looking at it like a year. You know what I mean? Deshaun Watson side is going to be looking at it like a year. An unfortunate situation, man. That you know what's happening um you know with, with, with those women and Deshaun Watson so I just think it was a tough situation for the NFL but as a teammate man for Deshaun Watson I think the only thing that you can do right now man is just try to support him you know what I mean going through this situation you know a lot of things is, is kind of what we read on TV and all that type of stuff you know what I mean so 
you know, you hear the stories, you hear what happened, you know, I'm sure some of his teammates may hear something different from Deshaun Watson. So I think the main thing right now is that you could just, that you can do for Deshaun Watson is just support him. And the same thing for those women, you know, and I think, like I said, the suspension, you know, if it wasn't a lifetime suspension, I think it was, it was still going to be, you know, on some parties, like it's not enough. Yeah. And I think because of the policy, uh, or at least the the way the NFL has changed the way they're handling this. Um, it was, it was interesting just to kind of see like, okay, wait a minute. Why did the NFL change this and allow somebody else to have the power, even though they have their appeal power. And, um, I think whenever it comes to punishment, it's never consistent. And that's what leads to a lot of frustration with it. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that is the main thing, man. Just the punishments are not, are not consistent when it, when it comes to punishment, whatever it may be, whether it's betting, whether it's, you know, Deshaun Watson situation, whether it's, you know, getting fined for your game socks, whether it's getting fined for your uniform, man, shoot penalties. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is just, it's just, it's just really inconsistent right now. Let's uh, let's pivot on the field stuff. Um, when you're a receiver, moving to a new quarterback, moving to a new offense. You know, how does that become easy? How does that transition become difficult? Because we've got some receivers that have moved on this year. Uh, not everything is the same. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, with your experience of it, and I know you had bounced the one time um, to go to Oakland, but how how can that be difficult? How can it be hard based on kind of the system and the quarterbacks that you're joining with a new team? Well, I mean, it can be really difficult early on. You know, strictly because you learn in a whole different terminology. You know, you're trying to build chemistry with your quarterback, and you know, you're not really you're not really yourself, especially early. You know, it's crazy you say that because I had a, I had a conversation with Devontae Adams when I was at Raiders camp, and he was telling me like I'm finally getting to myself. You know, he was like going through OTAs and all that type of stuff. I was moving so slow. You know, I wasn't myself, you know, because I was learning the playbook, learning the system, learning, you know, all the stuff Josh McDaniels has been putting in. And he told me, he's like, Josh told me, like, you're not going to be at one spot. You're going to play five different spots, you know. So make sure you truly, truly learn the offense, the ins and outs of the offense. You and Renfro and the boys is going to be all over. So when I was there this this past past weekend he was like man it's i'm finally back to take you know what i mean like i could i don't gotta look at Derek. i don't gotta do nothing i could be looking at the fans listening to Derek call to play boom i know exactly what i'm doing and he said i'm finally myself and it takes a while to get to that because you're learning a whole different terminology so it takes a while to get to that on top of building the chemistry with your quarterback. You know, he's leaving Aaron Rodgers to where he can look at Aaron and and Aaron ain't got to say a word. He knows exactly what Aaron wants. You know what I mean? So, yes, you play with Derek Carr in college. You know what I mean? You guys are really good friends, but still, coming on this field in the pros, a lot of that stuff, you guys got to kind of build that chemistry back up. And I, I mean, being at practice, you know, is definitely coming along. But for me, that was the same adjustment for me. Started off really, really slow, you know, and then once you learn the offense and get in the rhythm with your quarterback, it all starts to come together. Why do you think Devontae left? Why do I think he left? Yeah. I think this, me and Devontae got the same age, age of man, Frankie Bauer. And obviously, you know, he wasn't leaving because of quarterback situations. I mean, you got the baddest man in the planet <laughs> throwing you the ball. Uh, just talking to Devontae and talking to my agent, this is something that he really wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, he really, he really, he's a Bay Area kid just like me. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's the Las Vegas Raiders now, but he's a Bay Area kid just like me. He wanted to go play with his brother, Derek Carr. 
You know what I mean? It's something that they've talked about for years. They still train together in the off season. They felt like this was the time that we truly could make it happen. Derek Carr was up for a contract with some power, with a little voice in the, in the building. You know what I mean? Obviously what Devontae Adams has done to put himself in a position to kind of, you know, hey, I want to trade or I want out and, you know, to kind of kind of make some of that noise to, to get himself out of there. I, I truly believe that this is what both of them wanted, man, and they fought for it and they got it done. It has nothing to do with the Green Bay Packers. It has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. It had nothing to do with his teammates over there. He still loves all them dudes over there. I just think that this was something that they talked about. It was a dream come true for both of them, man, to get out here and play with each other in the National Football League. And they, they got it done, man. And, we, we're going to see how it turns out this year. You were there for what, Favre's last year in 07? That was your first year? Yes. And then that was my rookie the year. transition to Rodgers. And, you know, I know you've probably talked about this probably too much, but um, I remember hearing about with Favre because at that point, before you had gotten there, he kind of was flirting with retiring like every year there for a bunch of years in a row. And so then Rodgers is waiting and he's waiting. And then I remember very early on when I was at ESPN and, and Rodgers is a couple years into being a starter. You know, we asked him, like, what was it like to be under Favre? And he basically was like, Favre wanted nothing to do with me. Like, wasn't exactly <laughs> helping me out. Yeah. Um, and that's not, un- that's not unusual. I mean, it, it does happen at times. But what was it like for you to see it as a rookie with the legend leaving and then being replaced by ultimately, as you point out, a guy who'd become a legend again? Well, it's crazy, man, because when I first got to Green Bay, obviously, Brett Favre was still there, Aaron Rodgers was a backup. I came in there as a third-round pick, and, you know, it doesn't matter where you go in the draft. Once you come into the building, you're not a starter immediately. You know right. what I mean? So so I was I was on the twos with Aaron, and me and Aaron was going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm just like, man, this dude is like, this dude is good. Like, I'm like, this dude is a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like me. And, and I started to talk to Charles and Al Harris and they like, yeah, yeah, we ain't, we ain't seen nothing like it. You know, even though we got this hall of famer number four over here, you know what I mean? That could sling this ball all over the yard. Jermaine Williams, Nick Collins, all the boys that we had, they was like, dude, dude is different. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm glad. I thought I was the only one who's seen this, but I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm like, this dude is like a problem, you know? So, you know, obviously Brett played that year. I had a really good year with Brett, my rookie year. And everybody always used to say once, once Brett retired, I mean, he, he said he was gone. Obviously he went to the Jets and all that because he came out of retirement, but Everybody's like, man, what y'all going to do when Brett left? And I'm just smiling like, we are going to be okay. <laughs> don't you don't you worry about it. Now, I didn't know we were going to be this type, okay, four-time MVP and all this stuff. I didn't know that, but I knew 12 was special. You know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, we are, we are going to be just fine, you know. But, you know, relationship-wise, I'd never seen no, like, tension between the both of them. You know what I mean? Now, it might have been something in the quarterback room or something Brett may have said to 12 or, you know, showed him, but they never let it show on the football field. You know, you see them dudes on the football field when Brett throw a touchdown, shaking hands, doing doing all type of celebrations and all that. So I never seen the tension on the football field not wanting to help. But I always knew the guy behind him. I knew I knew 12 was special, man. Yeah, I think it was more of, you know, Rogers thinking he was going to get the gig and then he doesn't. And then yeah. it's then it's like, okay, yeah. now I'm sitting here another year and I'm not playing. I mean the guy 
he had zero starts the first three seasons of his career. And I think that I think that was the tough part for the organization as well. Like we came off a 13 and three season, you know, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl loss to the New York Giants as they went on to beat the Patriots, you know, but you know, a lot of people see you come off a 13 and three season. What do you mean you going away from Brett Favre? What do you, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, shoot, he was waiting. He was waiting his time. And if Charles Woodson is seeing how special this dude is at practice, and James Jones is seeing how special this dude is at practice, you better believe Mike McCarthy <laughs> and Ted Thompson are seeing how special Aaron was, you know, at practice. And, and they just knew it was it was that time, you know, to to give the ranks over, over the 12. All right, I'm going to stay on it because of one more question. Because I don't know what's fair or what isn't when you're in the NFL as long as you've been or as long as the Rodgers are going to play with a bunch of different guys. It appears there's some teammates that didn't love the experience. And I don't know if those are just the players that are more vocal about it, um, that decide to go that route. How did you feel about Rodgers as a teammate? Well, see, I was I was there early, you know what I mean? And me and Raj clipped it off immediately. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, Raj, Raj is my brother, man. We have a we have an unbelievable relationship. My kids play tackle football, man. He comes in the off seasons, man, and watch watches these dudes play games. Comes and works out with these dudes and all that, man. Me and me and Raj got a got a got a special relationship, man. That 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 is my brother. And it's crazy because I you hear certain teammates come out of that locker room and say certain stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? But I promise you, it's not. I promise you, it's not twelve. I promise you it was them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because everything I've seen from Aaron Rodgers, man, he's a hell of a teammate. You know what I mean? And there's so many stories that I could go in, you know, just breaking it down, you know, letting everybody know how great of a teammate Aaron Rodgers is. But I don't even think it's no need to do all that, man. From what I've seen from Aaron Rodgers, he's a hell of a teammate. From the guys that I've seen come out and say stuff about Aaron, if you talk to anybody in the locker room, they kind of raise their eyes at those guys saying what they said in about 12. You know what I mean? So, you know. Aaron Rodgers, man, a stand-up dude. Like I said, man, shoot, my 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 kids call him Uncle Rogers, man. I mean, shoot, he got he got a really good relationship with them. He he's just a great dude, man. And to be honest with you, these last couple of years, I, I'm proud of him for really letting the fans see what type of dude he is, the media see what type of dude he is, the character that he is, the, the fun teammate that he is. I'm glad he's kind of finally getting that get breaking that shield off and letting and letting the world see, like, you know. He's a character, man. He's in a hilarious dude, man. He loves to have fun, man. He loves his teammates. You know what I mean? So, you know, when I hear all his teammates come out and say that, man, I wish I could go on TV and just go crazy. And, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you still, you still got to keep it professional. But no, man, I mean, every everything Aaron has shown me, everything Aaron has done for me, everything Aaron has done for my kids, man, unbelievable teammate. Okay, let's talk about some of the other guys moving around. Um, A.J. Brown to the Eagles. How important... Yep. is is that for a, an Eagles team trying to figure out like who they are going to be because this is kind of like make or break for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, we know who they're going to be. They're going to win the East. I don't I don't think it's a team that's going to compete for the, compete with them in the East, man. You know, I know the Dallas Cowboys is right there, but I don't I don't see that happening. The Dallas Cowboys to me got worse at least on paper, you know, because all all we all we're going off right now is on paper. You know, everybody in that division kind of got better on paper except the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but just what the Eagles have, man, I think this is their division to lose. Obviously, we talk staying healthy. Obviously, we talk Jalen Hurst having a big year, but 
if this team could stay healthy, well, what they did on the defensive side of the ball, putting Big Jordan next to next to Fletcher Cox right there in the middle, you know, you get a linebacker to Kobe Dean who can run sideline to sideline. You upgrade the corner position, you know, on the other side of Darius Slay. Like this defense is going to be dominant, you know. And then not only that, you have arguably the best offensive line in football. You go get arguably one of the best receivers in football to go with the Heisman Trophy winner with a really good tight end in Dallas Goddard and a really good running back in Miles Sanders. I can keep going on and on about the Eagles. I'm really high on the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a big-time year. I mean, he has guys in, in, in Brown and Smith on the outside who, who could win right now. You know, and I think when you're a young quarterback and you're a quarterback who's trying to trying to learn how to throw this ball on time, timing throws, not saying Jalen Hurst can't throw, but when you talk about the one, two, three, ball out, one, two, three, four, five, ball out, he has those guys that can win right now to where he can do that now. He doesn't have to go out back there and be creative and scramble and do all that, even though he is going to make some plays with his legs. But I think you'll see a much better Jalen Hurst ball coming out of his hands, really good timing routes with these receivers on the outside. I think the Eagles is going to win the East, and they're going to be a tough team to stop, man, especially when they get in the playoff. Okay, uh, another receiver, Tyreek to Miami. What does that do for Tua? Everything. (laughs) Everything, man. I I, I tell people all the time, Tyreek Hill is a coverage dictator. When you break the huddle, where's number 10? You find number 10. Even on the Chiefs, he was the coverage dictator. He made everything easier for Patrick Mahomes. I know Patrick Mahomes is very special, but he made everything easier for Patrick Mahomes because when he breaks the huddle, defenses have to identify number 10. It's not identify Travis Kelsey. It's not identify, you know, uh, whatever running back they got, whoever. It's identify number 10. And number 10 is the coverage dictator, and it makes it easy on Kelsey. It makes it easy on Mahomes. It makes it easy on Eric Bieniemy. It makes it easy on Andy Reid. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Tyreek Hill in Miami. I'm really looking forward to seeing Tua and how he develops. You've got two premier receivers in Jalen Waddle and, and, and Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill is going to be that coverage dictator to where you know immediately where you're going with the ball. So you should see. A much better Tua. I think the offense is going to be much more creative. I'm excited to see what Miami does over there. Then, if Tyreek is that that important, okay, um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, disagreeing with you here. Buffalo, Kansas City. You know, a lot of Bills fans probably feeling like, hey, that was our deal. That should have been us. Uh, it ends up being Cincinnati. It's neither of the two teams. Uh, there was an incredible playoff game last year. But which team do you like better in the AFC now between Buffalo and Kansas City? It's, it's the Buffalo Bills, man. I think the Buffalo Bills is is, is going to be a problem. I think you know, like I said before, I mean, health plays a big part. But if this team stays healthy, I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust for this team. You know, everybody everybody thinks I'm crazy, man. But I really think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to finish last. I think they're going to finish last in the West. Last. I don't think they're better than the Denver Broncos. Last. I don't think they're better than the Denver Broncos. I don't think they're better than the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think they're better than the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I don't. I think this is the worst team in this division. And I know it sounds crazy because they don't won it the last 15 years in a row. But they probably got the worst defense out of, out of them all. You know what I mean? They probably have the worst playmakers on the outside of their quarterback out of them all. You know, so now you want to go out here. You you need Patrick Mahomes to be super, 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 super special. And 
he, he show he has shown us he can, but can he do it consistently without Tyreek Hill out there for a whole year, beating these tough teams, winning these close games, knowing that your defense is 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 going to struggle as well too. You lost your captain on your defense and in, in in the Honey Badger, it's not like you guys consistently get pressure up front on the defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be an interesting season for the Kansas City Chiefs, man. I'm not really high on the Kansas City Chiefs and what and what they've done. Wow, last I guess. When you present it that way, I feel like you're penalizing them for all their question marks and then not doing the same to the other teams. Like, what is it about the Raiders that you're going to get the benefit of the doubt? I think the Kansas City Chiefs has the most question marks. That's why I'm saying that. When I look at the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm like, I'm looking at on the offensive side of the ball. I'm looking Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and I'm looking Josh Jacobs, right? Really good, right? Offensive line will be solid, but I think what from what I've seen with Josh McDaniels, ball coming out of the quarterback's hands fast, let's run the ball, you're going to help that offensive line out, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Denver Broncos, everybody's been screaming defense big time, quarterback away from compete for a championship. Well, they have that quarterback now. They have the weapons on the offensive side of the ball. They have a good offensive line, and you have a big time defense. So that puts them in front of the Kansas City Chiefs. We all know what the Los Angeles Chargers has done. And this is just on paper. This is just me talking about just on paper. You look at the Chargers. You put a Khalil Mack on the other side of Bosa. You you add a J.C. Jackson with the young Asante Samuel. We all know you got the baddest safety in football and Derwin James on the defensive side of the ball. This defense is going to be big time. And then you got Keenan Allen. You got Austin Eckler. You signed back Mike Mike Williams. And obviously you got Justin Herbert, who's going to be in the MVP conversation. I think the Kansas City Chiefs on paper right now have the most question marks. And I think they are going to struggle this season, especially trying to find a way with playmakers on the outside. I love Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore is going to be a really good receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs that they drafted in the second round. But when you start looking at MBS, you start looking at Juju Smith, you start looking at Sky Moore, who is going to be that guy other than Travis Kelsey? We know what Kelsey's going to do, but you take him away, who's going to win? You know what I mean? Are you going to stick with the run game? Who's going to win? Your defense is not... Like like I said, going to be big time. You know, it'll probably be an average of the pack defense. So I'm concerned about the Chiefs, man. With all that being said, I mean, we could talk for an hour, but I'm concerned about the Chiefs. All right. No, compelling. I just feel like the Chargers every year, I love the roster. And oh, then I'm yeah. let down. I mean, okay. We know, so, we know like, what the track record right. says about the Chargers. That's why I keep saying on paper. Like, <laughs> and even referencing the Mike Williams thing, I'm like, man, I love that dude. And then it's like, oh, where is he? You know? And then – uh I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. I'm a big defender of Russell Wilson, the quarterback. Yeah. You know, I have a hard time believing he's going to have a bad year. That that would yeah. seem ridiculous. He's still too young to all of a sudden have some kind of bad year. But uh, I don't know what to make of Denver because they've been kind of in this odd holding pattern of a team with a really good defense that got some of the worst. I think you could probably put some numbers together. That you could argue Denver's gotten some of the worst quarterback play for consecutive seasons in NFL history. Um, and if yeah. they had just been average a couple times, they would have been more competitive. All right, so cons- you're on fire right now. You got any NF- NFC zingers for us then? Because that was <laughs> Kansas City last, uh, probably the breakout video. <laughs> yeah, I do, man. I, I just, I, I do. I don't, I'm not high on Kansas City right now. The NFC, man. I mean, shoot, the NFC is is, is going. I mean, it's going to be a dog fight, man. 
You know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's some strong teams in there, and it, for to me, it's, it's it's some very weak teams in there. So, you know, I think when it's all said and done, I think you're gonna be looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the Rams. You know, I know I know I'm missing one or two teams in there. That's 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 really going once the playoffs hit. You know, gonna be gonna be uh some dog fights in the playoffs. But my sleeper, and I and I hate to say it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I know I got my Raiders sweater on right now, but you know, I'm Packers through and through as well. But the Vikings, you know what I mean? I, and the Vikings is kind of one of those teams, one of those teams like the Chargers, where it's like every year we're like, hey, man, you know, they're going to turn that corner. But I, tr- I truly think this is the year that the Vikings compete with the Packers for this division. I think this could be last couple games. It's like, man, you know, this division is coming down to the wire between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. I just like everything the Vikings have over there, man. They built a really good offense around Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that I feel can win you some ball games. You know what I mean? Last year, his defense was extremely bad. I think that defense will be better. But the Minnesota Vikings is my sleeper in the NFC. What did you make of all the Kyler Murray stuff? I mean, he gets the contract. Part of me was like, wait, everybody's going to feel really bad for a guy who just got the second most guaranteed money in NFL history, and it's still kind of a question mark, even though I think from a dynamic standpoint, like he's as dynamic as anyone that plays the position. But I think last year concerned me in that when he got hit in that Packers game, like he was, yeah. it was a lingering thing for him for weeks where a bigger guy maybe recovers a little bit differently to be that young and then to have the injury keep going. So I still have hope and enjoy the hell out of it, but... I don't know. I thought some of the reaction was was pretty pretty intense um, after he had already gotten a contract. I don't know that every team would have given the same quarterback that deal. Yeah, no. I, and and watching Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. I don't know when it's going to be, but Kyler Murray is going to be the MVP of the National Football League very soon. I don't know this year, next year, the year after. I don't know, but Kyler Murray is that type of talent, and that's why he got that type. Yeah. Of and and it's really it's really crazy to me because. I don't like when I don't like when NFL players put put extra sauce on it. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of people running out of the building. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to sit here, man, I studied for 10 hours and I watched this amount of film and this and that. I see a lot of people running out of the building. When I was with the Las Vegas Raiders, when I was with the Green Bay Packers, um, other teammates that I talked to, I see a lot of people running out of the building. You know, I see a lot of people watching just the film that they're they're required to watch when you're in the team meetings. And yes, a couple of people might go home and watch a little extra hours of film or stay a little extra and watch some film. But when guys sit there and say, man, you, I did this, I studied this. Um, I wish I was sitting next to you when you said that, man, because I seen you being the first one out of the building. Or I seen you. So for me, I think it's just a bunch of BS. You know what I'm saying? And I know a lot of people is, is, is trying to get on the black quarterback, white quarterback, I ain't going to get on the black quarterback, white quarterback and all that type stuff. But I've, I've seen plenty of people uh, at any position run out of that building. You know what I'm saying? When, when coach said meeting over, <laughs> you know what I mean? So NFL players don't just sit there and, and sit down and study for five hours of film after practice. 
or go home and do it. They, they, they just don't. And I know people say that the paid Mannings and the, and the Drew Breeses and all that type of stuff. I'm still questioning that. Obviously, I ain't play with them, but I'm still I'm still questioning that. Now, I understand putting in a little bit extra time, you know what I mean, on, on the film study, but the way people are putting it, like, man, no, no. And to be honest with you, the way Kyler Murray has played, I know it's some games like any other quarterback that has been ups and downs, but this dude has showed you nothing else, but he is special. You know what I'm saying? And that is why they paid him that money. So I don't, I don't get into all that, but I know, you know, with what they were trying to put in this contract, and I believe they said they took it out. I mean, people ain't studying like that. Yeah, and then it gets to the motivation of like who leaked it, and then it was like, did somebody leak it to make them look bad, or did somebody leak it after? And I'm kind of like, all right, I understand, and you're right, the race element, the history's terrible, you know. Like anytime I hear Warren Moon talk about something, I'm like, what, what am I going to tell Warren Moon he's wrong? You know, yeah. guys, guys in the Canadian Football League watching other people that he's ten times better than, you know, yeah. screwing up his career. So you know, whenever I hear from a Warren Moon or whatever, but I guess that there was just another part of me there. I was like, he just got the second highest guarantee. Like, this is a really great deal. Yeah, um, they, but they, but they social media, it. Yeah. yeah, it played out a little differently. Okay, last thing before we let you go. We know you're a big Trey Lance guy. So were you were you excited to kind of hear the franchise just say we're moving forward with him and they'll have to figure out the Jimmy decision later on? I am, man, because I believe he's that dude. I believe Trey Lance is, is, is truly that dude. I, I think the Niners are much a much better football team. And, and I know it sounds crazy because you've been to the NFC Championship a couple of times with Jimmy G. But I think they're a much better football team with Trey Lance under center. Just all the stuff that Trey Lance, Trey Lance presents, man. I mean, able to make plays with his legs, able to get outside the pocket and throw the ball on the run. Um, and just when I talk to a lot of those guys in that building with the Niners, they sound like me earlier in this show when I was talking about Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was there like don't worry we got a dude behind him that can really play like they sound like that like dude this kid is special you know just just talking to them guys they like man this dude is special like dude we gonna be all right you know what I'm saying and I know Jimmy G's not Brett Favre and, <laughs> and coming to Aaron Rodgers but at the same time, they sound like they got the same confidence that I had when I was talking about Aaron Rodgers. I think this is going to be a hell of a year for Jimmy. I mean, for uh, Trey Lance. I think Cal Shanahan's excited. You have to show the organization that you are that dude for them just to walk away from Jimmy G. You know what I mean? Like for you to pull Jimmy G in the office and say, hey, bro. I know you took us to the NFC championship. I know you've played well here. I know your track record says when you are on this field for the San Francisco 49ers, this is our record. When you're not on the field for the San Francisco 49ers, our record is absolutely terrible. I know all that stuff says that, but as we sit here and look you eye to eye, this is Trey Lance's team. For you to do that, Trey Lance has checked every box for you. Trey Lance is showing, uh, showing you that, yes, I'm that dude, and I'm going to be that dude for a long time. So I'm excited to see him go this year. You know, he's kind of in my Kyler Murray boat too. When I talk about one day, you know, he's going to be standing up there with the, with the, with the MVP trophy. That's James Jones, NFL Network. Hey, thanks a lot for the time today. Not a problem, man. Thanks for having me. 
This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? I don't have soccer practices, whether my age or someone else's age. So I like to try to figure out how to maximize my time because I have more time than others. Whether it's going for a run, getting a workout in. My favorite thing, I love to read. And I love to go to my spot and try to veg out and not think about anything else that's going on in my life or my day other than that escape to just dive into a book and be outside. And I'm lucky that I get to do that. The best way to squeeze in that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Ryan. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Today's life advice is presented by Modelo. It could be about love, money, or in-laws. Life is always going to throw some serious challenges your way. And that's why Modelo celebrates people who show resilience and courage in the face of adversity. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, life advice, rr at gmail.com. A couple really good ones here. Let's see. This one's awful, um, just because I think it's such a terrible idea. But that's why we're going to read it. 510-155. Traveled for the last 14 months and thought working out would be easier. It wasn't. I'll never throw weights around like some dudes, but even now, if we go camping, a bear wouldn't get me first. Quick, former track guy. Also math team, but sneaky athletic. Okay. All right. Well. I like all those attributes, to be honest with you. Against a bear? Quick? Understanding angles? Geometry? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is, Tree guy. is that bear going to cut me off there? Nope. I've already, I've already mapped it all out in my head. All right. Uh, as I've said, I've been traveling for the last 14 months. What wasn't mentioned was 13.5 of those months were with my girlfriend. The spare two weeks is when I had an emergency surgery in a foreign country with heavy COVID restrictions, so she couldn't visit. Uh, and the other week was when her dad got hit by a car. He's okay. All right. A lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, kind of his fault because he, and I quote, thought the driver would recognize who he was. <laughs> what? What? I don't know what that means. <laughs> is the dad famous he's so, he's so famous he stops yeah. traffic <laughs> yeah is anybody that famous I don't, I don't, maybe my father-in-law again this is the girlfriend's dad so we don't know if it's going to go down there i'd be like you know my girlfriend's dad is a real head turner 
I wonder how, like, what is his level? Who is he? Was he like a, was he like a local politician? Like, do you know who I am? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's the ultimate, do you know who I am move to just step out in traffic, expecting people to go up. Oh, I do know who that is. Stop the car. Even though the light is green. I don't, I don't really get this. Or maybe it's not how it stops on. Maybe it's traffic works, but the dad is like, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Anyway, let's keep it moving. Um, so he worked, he walked out in traffic, uh, as a car was coming, albeit on a crosswalk. Anyway, uh, before we traveled together, we spent two years of quarantine next to each other without any separation. I could tell you every meal she's had for three of the six and a half years we've been dating. Things are going great. Our families even had Christmas together. My dad saved her family home from being burnt to the ground. What? What, what did, what did the girlfriend's hot dad think of your dad doing that? <laughs> Who's, who's better now? I don't know. I don't really. How does one save a house from burning down? Too like, is he a firefighter? Yeah, or is this, or is he just like a is this concerned citizen? Does the email just exaggerate stuff. Like there was a <laughs> there was like, a curtain that was near some lights, and he's like, we should move those lights. Or <laughs> yeah, somebody left the burner on. He's like, hey, shut that off. All right, yeah. I smell a gas leak. <laughs> this guy's a hero. <laughs> uh I don't know. Well, let's go with, let's keep going with it with the email. I mean, maybe just this family has some weird shit happen to it, you know, on both sides. Um, so he goes, I don't think many things are wrong. However, she always insists on recording our arguments. Oh my Ooh. God. This is, <laughs> I finally agreed to let her record um, or hit record on our most recent argument. My dilemma. Now, what do I do? Should I transcribe two sessions? A 45-minute discussions, one and a half hours total. Thanks, math guy. We were able to figure that out. Um, he's got it's a bad scene. He's got he's he starts throwing some math stats that this is the number one math team in the nation, 13 of the last 14 years. If we needed to look that up. I don't. Thanks, though. I, I don't know. I'm so confused on this math thing. Like he added 45 minutes and then he started talking about his math resume. Uh I imagine some of the other math is more challenging than that but so then simple addition yeah it's, so he's it's asking not. should he transcribe the two sessions 45 minutes each and present her with the full version for review whether i'd be right or wrong i don't see a world in which any recording goes Man. down a happy path but i also feel obligated to see the matter through i'm a neuroscientist and my whole career is based on interpreting evidence would a careful study of a transcript end this desire to record the proceedings as someone who records many conversations I figure you would know best. I mean, look, dude, I'm taping a podcast. I'm not fucking sitting there with my <laughs> girlfriend taping our arguments and standing in front of the phone. I would think that's also super inconvenient because you have to stand or sit near the phone and then you're like across from a table uh, looking yeah. at each other, making sure the phone is picking it all up. Okay. I mean, just look, the headline is going to be pretty simple for me. I think this is a terrible, terrible idea. Um, not only that, because I... Like the only way I could see this working is if there's such a disconnect every time that you have these arguments, but it's apparently, it sounds like you don't have that many arguments and everything is great, but she wants to do this. I don't know where she learned this. I'm sure there's somebody, maybe a professional person listening to this right now going, it actually can be a really good, great exercise because it removes you from the emotions of being in the conversation at that time. And then you're listening here. Like I would say, okay, if you felt like this is the, the last resort here and you're trying some way to salvage your relationship, I'd be like, all right, fine, cool, figure it out. But I hate it so much. And the fact that if you do ever break up and you sound like a psychopath in these things, she could send it to a friend or something like that. So I don't know. I, 
honestly, I think too many people record each other now in some fucked up ways. And the best thing would be to not be doing that more often. So I don't, I would only say it's okay if you feel like it's the only thing you can do. But if this is her move and she wants to do it all the time, that's a that's a real problem. Do you really fight enough? Is there such a disconnect between the two of you that you need these things to be? Because you basically have described it. You know, her dad's hot. He's okay. Your dad's saving Christmas. Um, you said you know all of re- <laughs> Like, for the most part, it seems like you've gotten along. So if it's just the occasional argument and this is her move, that's actually more frustrating. And uh, I hate it. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing this a ton. This is one of the most random, just like throwing things out there emails that I think we've ever gotten of just like different stories that have nothing to do with the actual question in hand. I think anytime you're keeping score in arguments in a relationship, it's just never a good idea. Never. Because like I just think about the arguments I get in with my wife. And we don't really even argue a ton, but they're usually like when one of us is in a bad mood and one of you is definitely irrational and wrong, but you just don't want to admit you're wrong. And then after a while, you kind of come around. If you're in a healthy, good relationship, you realize that you were an asshole and you don't even have to apologize, but you just kind of know that like you were in the wrong and you probably took that too far. So if, if you're playing that stuff back to your significant other, you're just, you're, it's basically you getting more agitated or repeating whatever thing you were arguing about in the first place. And it's just not healthy. So I don't, I don't know why. If she insists on you doing, I definitely don't think you should like take a time stamp on this and transcribe it and like read it back to her and analyze it unless it's really something very serious that you guys are discussing. If they're just like petty arguments, then just let it go. But if she like insists on recording this stuff, I hate to say, it, man, that's like a major red flag to me. I, I don't, I don't think that's like the sign of a very healthy relationship. Now, if she's re- like, if she's recording them and she's not actually using them for anything and she's, I mean, I would hope she's not like sending them to other people like without, you know, your permission. That would be because otherwise, why is she recording them? If it's not just gonna be to play back to you, um, I guess if she's not using them at all, it's fine. But if she wants to record them and like keep score on who's right and who's wrong and have like a whiteboard with like tally markers on it, I think that's a recipe for disaster in my opinion. Yeah, she taping every time you guys have a disagreement and then what's the exercise that you're supposed to go back? I mean, I think I lost some of it there when he was talking about then transcribing it. And so then he's going to hand it to her and then have her read it. Definitely don't so do that. I, I, Definitely don't well, do no, that. But I felt like he was saying he was going to do that to prove to her how pointless this was and have her read it back. So I don't know. That, that's, um, that sounds like an awful time. An awful time. And I would break up if that's what I had to deal with. Sorry. Again, I think we all... You just, that, you just end it? You would just say, hey? <laughs> there wouldn't even be no, like a negotiation. If in the future like, hey. it was like, hey, we're going to have to always tape these recordings. Like We're, we're going to have to tape our yeah. arguments. I'd be like, well, you fucking... You can yell at yourself in your phone because I'm out of here. Tell your dad to check the <laughs> crossing. Your dad's not even that famous. Yeah, so dad's, yeah. <laughs> dad's not nearly as hot as he thinks he is. <laughs> All right. Uh, photos with athletes. Hey, Ryan. 29-59-165. I don't work out. I do play golf when I can. Today, my wife and I went to Bengals training camp. My father-in-law is a writer for the team, was able to hook us up with friends and family's passes, allowing us a spot in the end zone right by the field and a few other amenities uh, that made the day great. Surrounded by the players and coaches' families, we felt like we were a bit out of place, but didn't mind the shade and refreshments. After practice ended, the players came over to greet their families, do interviews, and sign autographs. My wife is used to being around the players on the team because of her dad, Uh, but I am still new to this. We got married last October at the stadium. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. They got married okay. at Paul Brown, so they really liked Paul Brown. They really liked <laughs> How romantic. <Yeah. laughs> I waited till after all the kids got their autographs and approached Jamar Chase for a photo. He graciously took one with me and carried on with his day. 
My wife thought this was embarrassing because I was an adult and this was her father's coworker. Was I wrong to approach him and ask for a photo? As an adult, asking players for autographs and photos against some code. Would love to hear your thought. Love the show. Uh, okay, can we just stop real quick on something that was said there? The father-in-law who writes and covers the team is not a co-worker of an all-pro receiver. Yep, he is adjacent to his career. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Jamar Chase has been named all-pro. I just think he's that good, and he will be at some point. Yeah, it's an anticipatory yeah, comment, right, if anything. Right. Uh, I mean, look, even if he was a slot guy, colleague <laughs> seems like a stretch. Second team. Seems like a stretch. Second team all pro. Here's, here's what uh, I'm going to take your side. I'm going to take your side on this because the person who's totally, you know, desensitized to it, the father, the girlfriend, now your wife, they're actually like, I've been, you know, what, 20 years in this? Whatever my instincts would be, I actually don't think they're the right ones. It might be cooler that I don't care, but it's completely being dismissive of so many people, whether it's listening to this podcast or the hours you spend watching the NFL or all the NBA stuff that you love, that you still are enamored with these people that are so special at what it is that they do. Like, this is a big part of your life. And to let the other kids and you're saying, you know, you had all of them go first or whatever. Maybe you're trying to sell your side of the argument uh, even more, but you asking for a quick selfie with a guy who's used to this. I don't think you're really wrong here. Now, I don't know if there's some sort of stipulation that was made that's, Hey, if you're doing the friends and family thing, like you're not supposed to go in there, um, even though that's where your access yeah. was. I mean, maybe there's some sort of rule that you could have broken. Maybe it's some sort of understanding, but I think for them to be like, dismissive of what you wanted in that moment is not very realistic and that most people want a picture with the famous person most people want to go ahead and get the autograph even if they're trying to pretend that they're above it being like hey normally i wouldn't ask or i wouldn't normally do this but deep down it's actually that they do want something and people kind of lost their minds about like the photo thing where it's just like hey i'm gonna just take a photo and you're gonna like you have to do it. And it doesn't seem like that's what you're doing at all. Even included the photo. I mean, Jamar Chase is like standing behind him and he takes a quick shot with the, with, with the phone. So yeah. unless you were completely not allowed to do that, all right, but there's nothing you've told us that would say that, um, then I, I think you're actually in the right here and they need to remind themselves that even though their access to it is desensitize them to it, they are over it. And yes, I get it. Like the cool thing is to do, uh, the cool thing to do is to not actually want any of these things. Uh, that doesn't really apply to most people. Most people are going to want what you did. And if it was pretty harmless, which it appears to be from this picture, and they're just more annoyed with you than some rule that you broke, I would I would not spend too much time feeling guilty about this. Yeah, I think you're, with all the respect, your wife and your husband and your uh, father-in-law are, are being pretty lame here. The whole like, the training camp like is, is constantly just people taking pictures after practice. Like That happens all the time with fans. I've seen, a mil- I've seen that a million times. Um, and I think the players... You know, if you ask them and they say, yeah, sure, like be polite about it and that's fine. So as as you said, unless there's like a rule about it, I think they're being incredibly, incredibly lame here. And, you know, it it reminds me, like, remember back in the ESPN days when like, you know, we'd have like car wash people come in and, you know, there there was like a rule that if you were working, you shouldn't really be asking for pictures of like, you know, have Jake Gyllenhaal comes through because he's promoting some new movie. Like, don't ask Jake Gyllenhaal for a picture if you're working on the show. That rule got broken a million times. And, you know, what? nobody really, it didn't, it didn't really matter. It didn't really, I mean, it did get annoying at times when like people from like, you know, people would be working like nights and they come in during the day just to like meet Rick Ross and take a picture with him. You're like, all right, like maybe you're doing a little bit too much here, guy. You don't even really work on the show. Uh, but, 
you know, I don't know. People get excited. They want to everybody gets excited about a new like Facebook profile picture. I'm sure this guy's pumped to like have the selfie with Jamar Chase and he's getting a bunch of likes and he feels good about himself. I think his wife needs to lighten up a little bit. This is what training camp is for. It's not that big of a deal. As long as you're not being a dick about it and like asking every player for a million autographs or different things. Um, and to suggest that, you know, you're you're part of the team or that you are in some way like affiliated with the team. So you shouldn't be doing this. That's not what the situation is. So I think you should feel fine about it. I wouldn't argue with your wife about it, but I would, I would rest easy knowing you're in the right here. Yeah. And if, if Jamar Chase is upset, you can have the dad who's his coworker, you know, smooth it over for you. But again, if he was, if the dad is writing for the team site, then maybe it's looked at a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, whatever. The coworker thing kind of made me laugh. I, I don't think anybody's going to care. I really, I don't think the rule of ESPN. Jamar will, Chase doesn't know who your dad is or that your, 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 your father-in-law is. He doesn't, he doesn't know any of this stuff. You're, you're completely clean here. Yeah. I would say um, the ESPN one was always hysterical because they'd be like, Hey, just make sure, you know, you know, don't ask that what they didn't want people doing was like asking for autographs or pictures like in the hallway. And then remember we had that kid who just started lurking for a little while. Remember that stretch of that dude? And he just was coming by all the time, getting his pictures taken. Then he started posting them on Instagram. Who was that guy? That was hilarious. And then we started looking yeah. through and we're like, who is this guy? And that's actually what's kind of funny about life too, is that he was so sure of himself that nobody ever knew like what the hell was going on. We're like, why is this guy coming over and doing this every time we have a celebrity? Yeah, he doesn't even go here. What? I, 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 that was a Mean Girls reference. Uh, no worries. Don't worry yeah, about it. That's what I thought. I didn't <laughs> know Mean Girls. I knew it was it was sort of a reference. Um, <laughs> no, but there was some random like to have the confidence to not really know anybody in the department, but still hang around and like get a picture with, I don't know, like Eli Manning, who somebody, some like random person coming times. through. Like, and then yeah. he, I think he got a picture with Van Pelt once, and we were like, "What is going on here?" I. Uh, that's right. And then that's right. We were like, somebody goes, hey, did we found his Instagram. And then we started realizing like, dude, he's just posting. Like he's he's an intern at ESPN and he's turning this into his own little like posting of whatever. He was taking pictures of everybody and then posting them. Um, and he clearly had had no concern for it. But the, no, the, one, the only time that ever bothered me would be like the management. You get the like, again, we knew we were going to have our pictures taken because we were on the fucking show. Right. It was our show. It was understood when you get done with. Yeah, Jake, we did it for social media. Right. Yeah. You get done with Jake Gyllenhaal. He's going to take a picture with you because that's the whole point. Um, were you with me? Was it was it Michelle was with us in Miami when they had me do? Was, we were both there. Was it Vince for the all star yeah. game? Yeah, we were both there. There's Michelle and I. Okay. Yeah. Like when we went up to MB to ask him for a picture just because we wanted to yeah, see what it looked like. That's and I right. kind of was like, uh, I don't really, you know, don't ask him or whatever. And then he was actually really cool about it. And then we figured, all right, whatever, for the social page. And it's me next to Embiid um, at Marlins Park. Yeah, you don't strike. You're not the guy who's going to be like anywhere asking people for pictures unless it's in a work setting like that. Like it's a formula, you know, it's like a formulaic, like, hey, here's Joe Embiid. He's doing a car wash. Take a picture with Ryan. Like you wouldn't tap on the shoulder at it. At a Marlins game, and be like, "Hey, hey, MP," and like hold up no, the selfie. I probably, just, that's I probably the, wouldn't do that. You just don't have that gene. Yeah, you don't have that in your body. I don't really either. I kind of find that really cringe. Um, Joe and Hall, I was very excited about, and I, 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 I remember. Didn't you do the picture of? Didn't you do like the the fight picture? Because he was, I think he was promoting that movie Southpaw, right? So I think, I think you both did like the arm, like you we know, did. a boxer thing, and it was actually pretty funny. But he was a good dude. He was. He was. Um, he was really, really good um, in those. Didn't. 
you know, because I, I try not to pretend that like, hey, that guy was really nice to me for seven minutes while I helped promote his movie. He's an awesome dude. <laughs> you know, because it's you know everything right, about him. Because you have to be, as I've said a million times, you have to be an absolute like Hall of Fame asshole to screw up those seven minutes. Some people did. I mean, Very some, there rarely, were a few though. people. I won't name names. It's a single but, digit uh, number. One one wide receiver. Right. Will but come of to all mind. the people that we've ever sat down with, think about it. Hundreds. It's not more than ten where you got done with those seven minutes. Going, that guy sucks. He's the worst. I can only really think of like three ever. And yeah. that's why after everybody gets done with all the other people, it's the EJ Manuel thing. Like EJ Manuel was so good in those seven or eight mm -hmm. minutes that people were like, he's going to be an awesome quarterback. I'm like, I might get a summer place with him, but I don't know if he's going to be any good as a quarterback or not. And he wasn't any good as a quarterback, but he ended up yeah. back at ESPN. Um, but the the picture thing that was that was like the managers would always be big on it. Remember, like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And then as soon as Liam Neeson shows up, seven managers are back there waiting to get their picture taken with yep. him. And that's where you're <laughs> like, as a manager, like it's such, it's a really bad look because it's like you're telling everyone we can't do the thing that you are absolutely going to do. And uh, every time that would happen and then they would leave the studio, we'd just be like, what the fuck? Like, seriously? Yeah. I haven't seen you in months, but Congrats. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. And then did Liam Neeson and did it end up, we could do a whole car wash episode where we just talk about like different times. Uh, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember Liam Neeson. The Joe, I, I bring up Joan Hall because at the time I was working on Mike and Mike. And you look like Joan Hall a little bit. And I was, and I had a bun had a Hall face. and he had, and he had just cut his bun for the movie. <sighs> So, well, a couple, this is why Joan Hall is like my all-time favorite. Sorry to the Taylor Swift, you know, crew who I know is like, he's very much in the crosshairs of that situation. I still like Taylor Swift, but I, I am team Joan Hall here. Sorry. Uh, he comes in, Mike and Mike, it's like 7 a.m. It's his first hit of the car wash, right? And you know when like people come in on those car washes and they've got, they roll like 10 deep. They've got a publicist. Yeah. They've got like multiple PR people. They've got buddies. I remember like Joachim Noah came in with like a crew and some guy shook up like a protein a shake milk. and it did, the top wasn't on yeah. it and it just exploded all in the studio and it was a disaster. Joe and Hall came in with no one. He, it was him and, and the ESPN talent booker. And I was, and the, I immediately was like, that's fucking awesome. Cause that means this guy is super down to earth. So he gets there. I'm producing Mike and Mike that day. I don't even know if those guys were in or whatever. And he's like 15 minutes early. So we literally just shot the shit for like 15 minutes. And he was, he could not have been nicer. Awesome dude. I talked to, I was talking about my bun. I was like, was it hard to cut it off? He's like, yeah, man, it sucked. Like I was so bummed. I really liked the bun, but I had to cut it. I had to get the buzz cut for the, for, for the movie. Cause he, you know, remember he had like a, like he basically buzzed his head and he was like kind of like a meathead crazy guy. Um, so we talked about that for a while. He will, that was my number one. Like this guy is actually, I was debating like, Hey, are you going to be around? Cause like I'll be in West Hartford later. Like you want to hit a Brico, grab a drink or something. I didn't quite go that far and I would never do that. Uh, but our vibes yeah. were so good on that, that I even stopped by the studio later to see you guys interview Jake. Um, that's where I saw the picture of you guys, you know, back to back doing the boxing thing. But Joan Hall was the number one nicest guy that I've ever met in any car wash. Sandler gets the number one ranking of all car wash people ever from the talent department. Like you could ask three different people that handled like the talent department is kind of a vague term for uh, a department at ESPN because sometimes the talent department's, you know, doing our contracts. They're telling us what we should be looking for. Uh, sometimes they're taking you off of shows. But they'd also have the people would be like, hey, Adam Sandler's coming by. He's promoting grownups. And then the talent department would have one of their employees assigned to that person the entire day. And, you know, we both, Steve and I have been there for such a long time. But you'd just be like, what, what is, uh, who's the coolest? Sandler, Sandler, Sandler. It was always Sandler. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. And Cuba Gooding Jr., I think, said rock out, 
rock out with your cock out on Sports Center. <laughs> that shut yeah. that shut his day down pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, get him a car service home. He's got. I think Liam Neeson here. swore too. Dude, I don't remember but, Liam Neeson. I remember I was so upset because Rick Ross came in on the day that I was off, and I literally debated coming in because he's my favorite rapper. I love Rick Ross, uh, and I ended up not doing that. And I think he told Michelle like he, Michelle had like a necklace on, and she was like, "Hey, nice chain." And Michelle's never forgotten that to this day. He was cool, producer. but he kind of was like he knew he was Rick Ross, and he was just whatever. And we totally. were. I think Canell asked him about like, wh- "What do we have to do to be your friend?" Like it was it was pretty funny, but. It was. It's not as cringy as that sounds, because as I just said it, I cringed a little bit on the inside. But it was just so the whole thing was absurd, <laughs> and so we started just talking. Be like, well, what does it take to get? I think Canel's like, what does it take to get in your crew or something? And Rick was like, Rick, he goes, uh, man, it's just about money, like making money and opportunities and partnerships. So if you if you don't waste my time and your time is money and my time is money, then we can we can do whatever. And we were like. So what does that mean? I like pitch you, <laughs> pitch you on a fucking. Have you ever been in a picnic? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, I guess that's enough memory lane uh, car wash stuff there. Uh, Ti Ti, real quick, uh, also awesome. Ti, I don't, I don't know if it's a rapper thing. No, he was great. T. Super cool. T. I, I told was, him I was like, dude, I listened to that album. I listened to King in high school. Like, I think I broke the CD in my car, and he was like, "That's awesome, man." Like, I loved. It. He like genuinely was like happy to hear that. Yeah, we were talking watches. Um, he was he was cool. T.I. was actually really cool to us. All right, there you go. Today's Life Advice presented by Modelo. Modelo knows it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're made of. And when you need a little advice, it never hurts to have someone in your corner cheering you on. Modelo came from small beginnings and never gave up. That's what makes a lion. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, that's Life Advice. Uh, email us. LifeAdviceRR at gmail.com. Thanks to Stephen Mike in for Kyle today. And thank you as always. Ryan Russell Podcast, Ranger Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.